Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In Genesis, God created man from the dust of the ground. Soon after, he placed man by a river, and by the flow of the river were precious stones. Though man was made of dust, his destiny in God's plan was to become something so precious, not precious dust, but precious stone. Please stay with us as we see these precious stones as they reappear in Exodus on today's Life Study of the Bible, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Francis Ball is with us once again. Francis, I'm glad you could be here today as we're going to see Christ as life once again in the garment worn by the high priest in Exodus 28, and especially in one item of that garment called the ephod. Welcome back to the program. It's always good to be back, Chris, and especially when we get into these marvelous applications of the priestly garments and other things that have been with us now for a time in the tabernacle. Francis, we want to take another look today at this most unique item of the priestly garment, and that is the ephod. And I believe we mentioned earlier that the Hebrew word ephod has no English equivalent. So this is the actual Hebrew word. And it refers to an item that we don't know a great deal about, other than it looks somewhat like a vest, apparently from the description here in Exodus 28. What do we know about the ephod and what it looked like? Well, there have been uh, Bible students studying these kind of things for a long time. And it seems like the best I remember and know about the ephod, just materially from an Old Testament picture, it was a kind of a vest, as you mentioned, but there's a front and the back. And it's held together at the shoulders by kind of a setting in gold that holds the pieces together and fastens the front and the back into one piece. And there's an opening for the head and two openings for the arms. And it covers the top part of the body. And actually, it's the place where the, uh, the breastplate was put. And it's a particular item of clothing only for the high priest, which represents the Lord Jesus Christ in his high priestly ministry. We've seen a little bit about the meaning of the word itself. As we said, there's no direct translation, but the intrinsic meaning of the word in Hebrew relates to, as you said, fastening or attaching, linking together. And this turns out to be very significant as we get into the spiritual application of the ephod, doesn't it? It does. And I think we're in for a real treat to see some of these things open up in Brother Lee's speaking today. Well, let's look specifically at the two onyx stones that were attached to the ephod. And these onyx stones were attached to these shoulder pieces that you mentioned. This is what Exodus 28 has to say about the onyx stones. And uh, verse 11 says, And you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone. Then in verse 12, And you shall put the two stones upon the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. 
and Aaron shall bear their names before Jehovah upon his two shoulders for a memorial. That's the verses. Let's get the explanation. Here's Witness Lee. Only the high priest wears the ephod. You could see the most glorious one and the most beautiful one is the high priest. Because only the high priest particularly wears ephod with two shoulder pieces and one breast plate. All the other priests don't have such a wearing. In other words, they don't have ephod. Ephod is more beautiful. Ephod is more glorious. Suppose I wear a piece of clothing that fastens two pieces of precious stone upon my shoulder. And then <laughs> a breastplate with 12 pieces, different kind, different color of precious stones, I stand here. How outstanding and how striking I would be. Oh, so beautiful. You know, today in the army, we have a five-star general with some kind of golden rings upon their arms. Quite outstanding. This is for glory and this is for beauty. Christ has such a power, such a strength. Do you know? You only pray, Lord, I'm weak. I cannot hold you, Lord. I know, but you hold me. That's right, the Lord hold you. But <laughs> you are not held. The problem is this. The Lord hold you, but you are not held. Why? Because within you, there's no realization of his divine glory and his human beauty. The more you consider his divine glory and his human beauty, the more you are held, the more you are fastened, the more you have the sensation deep within that you are safe. You are fastened to him. The uh, make of effort is two pieces. When the two pieces come to the shoulder, they are not joined. In the middle, surely you need a hole for the neck. Then how to join the two ends? They made two shoulder pieces. Each joins the front piece and the back piece. The shoulder pieces are full of the joining power. The golden sightings that uh, hold the onyx stone is fastened to the uh, shoulder pieces. So, entire effort is a binding piece, fastening piece. Today, Christ is full of holding strength, is full of fastening power. Because he is composed with divinity, with the heavenlies, with the kingly situation, and with redemption, and with humanity. He is just composed with this. Just like 
the piece of ephod is all together for what? For holding, for fastening, for binding. Francis, we've seen that this ephod represents the holding power of Christ. And we know from verse 2 that it was both glorious and beautiful. What about the colors that were woven into it, Francis? The blue, the purple, and the scarlet. We've seen these colors before in the covering and in the veil that were in the tabernacle. What do these colors represent once again? Well, this is really one of the marvelous things about the Old Testament types because it brings out the reality of all the items of what Christ is, and yet it does it, in this case, with colors. The blue, of course, indicates and signifies his heavenly nature. And then the purple signifies his royal character. And uh, the scarlet, of course, is significant of the redemption, his death on the cross. And actually, uh, all of these colors woven in here together are quite marvelous, as we'll see how the uh, combination and the blending and the mingling of these colors together makes a beautiful garment. Well, we also have gold included in the ephod, Francis. Upon the shoulder pieces, you mentioned earlier, was this setting, or maybe a more technically accurate word, is filigree. Uh, Golden setting woven into the fabric, and these became the settings for the onyx stones. What's the connection between the gold and the holding or fastening power of Christ that you mentioned that we know the ephod represents? Well, we know that gold is a type of God's divine nature. And uh, it's marvelous in the record. It says how the gold was beaten into sheets, and then it was even stripped to make thread. So it could actually be woven into the other parts of the garment, uh, mingling with the colors. And it shows that God's divine nature, his divine power, is a very strong holding element. And uh, in this case... It really shows that uh, his holding and his fastening together with the uh, threads of gold mingled in and blended in with all of these other colors of part of the ephod shows that it's a power of God that holds us, that fastens us, that binds us, and keeps us. So we are really not held by how much faith we have. We're not held by how good we can be, but we're held because... God's power is involved here. This is the real significance of the gold thread throughout the whole of the ephod. It's a wonderful picture. This uh, understanding or realization that the holding is all a matter of his power and strength and not according to anything that we have to offer God or can produce. Yeah, and it's significant, too, that it's the setting for which the stones were put on the shoulder of the high priest. So this is the solid connecting point that fastens the front and the back and fastens us onto Christ. Well, you mentioned the stones that were attached. Let's take a look at these onyx stones. Here's Witness Lee. Now we come to this point. What point? That is, here we are signified by onyx stones. Onyx stones. Adam was made with earth, dust. But God put him in front of the tree of life. And from there flows a river. At the flow of the river, you have onyx stone. 
Don't you? I am standing there, looking at himself, and looked at the onyx stone. These are two things. He is, all together, a composition of dust, not a piece of onyx stone. And we know onyx stone is a kind of transformed item. Dust firstly becomes stone. Then stone becomes onyx. Transformation. We were fallen dust, but we got regenerated. We became a piece of stone. Now we are being transformed into or into the same image from glory to glory. This is an tomb. The uh, effort of the high priest doesn't have a bunch of dust, two pounds of dust upon each shoulder. Christ doesn't hold the dust. Amen. Christ holds what? Yeah, on stone, the transformed saints. Then you may say, Brother Lee, poor me, I have not been transformed. <laughs> then I'm through. Hallelujah, you're not through. Amen. You do have some onyx. Some onyx. Many, many times you felt you were falling. Actually, not you were falling, but the dust that was falling. <laughs> Too many times the Lord raised up things to shake. To say, you were threatened to death. You'll be shaken away. I tell you, you will never be shaken away. But the dust will be shaken away. Amen. The onyx will be there. Onyx will never fall. Onyx is set. Is set in the plated sightings. Golden. Beautiful. And glorious. Francis' two onyx stones were fastened to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. Now, onyx was mentioned, I think, for the first time in Genesis chapter 2. Right after God created Adam and Eve, he put Adam by a river. And there, at the flow of the river, uh, were the onyx stones. We've seen before that stones, precious stones particularly, are very significant in the Bible. What about here in this context, in Exodus 28? What does the onyx represent? You know, it's hard to just jump into this uh, just to see the onyx stone because there's so much in that picture in Genesis with uh, Adam, the first man just created and put before a tree of life, and by the tree there's the river of the water of life, and these two figures are throughout the Bible and even end up in the New Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 22. So it keeps our attention on the fact that these are items that start in the Bible and end the Bible. But in that flowing river, which is a picture of God's flowing life, there are the onyx stones. You know, God uh, made it clear when he said that man was created in his image and he made him out of the dust of the ground. So he was a dusty creature. 
But an onyx stone is certainly not dusty. If it is, it can easily be removed. But when you take these onyx stones now, which are really precious stones that are in the river at the initial stage, and now they're on the shoulder of the high priest. Two onyx stones which are identified as the children, God's people, because the children of Israel had their names on one onyx stone, six names, on the other onyx stone, six names. So that this indicates that he is holding up God's people. But onyx itself indicates a transformation, a transformed person. Not a dusty man, but a precious stone man. He doesn't have piles of dust, as Brother Lee said, on his shoulders, but he has these onyx stones, which are just significant of God's people. So we're held, and we're kept, and we're uh, being transformed. Some may say, well, Brother Lee even mentioned, he said that some may get discouraged thinking they're not transformed. How could they be uh, secure and be held like this? But every person who has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ is onyx to some extent. And, of course, it does indicate transformation, but there is a measure of transformation. We shouldn't get discouraged and think because we're not fully transformed, we're not held up by the power of God on his shoulder and joined with Christ. We are. And when we uh, have some troubles, as he mentioned, we may have some dust that has to be shaken off, but the onyx will never be shaken. We are secure because we're on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I want to just add a little to that point. I really like that about his picture. These are not piles of dust. The dust doesn't get attached. And, of course, the dust just represents what we are in our natural created being, uh, absent any element of transformation. That's right. But even at the moment of uh, salvation, of of our accepting uh, Christ and experiencing that redemption, there is an initial element of the onyx stone that will remain forever attached. And the shaking that goes on, these troubles that you described, that's just his uh, brushing away the dust so that the onyx uh, can really stand out in, it is in the strength of its attachment to Christ. And that's right. Well, let's go back, Francis. We've got another section to go. Here's Witness Lee. The first two items, effort with its breastplate, shows us the uh, binding, the fastening, the uh, tying power and strength of Christ by his divinity and his superhumanity. It's glorious and it's beautiful. Whenever you read the four Gospels, in a good sense, you have to read them in this way, to see his divine glory woven with his human beauty. And to see his human beauty woven into his divine glory. Amen. And both of these are there. And at the same time, he was so royal, he was so, so kingly, so heavenly, and full of redemption. Amen. If you see this, spontaneously you are held, Amen. you are fastened. Amen. You know what? To be fastened is to be transformed. Amen. The more you are transformed, the more you are fastened. Amen. All the dust will fall away. Only the transformed parts 
are still remaining here. Actually, not remaining, but being fastened upon Christ. So you enjoy him and you experience him and you just enjoy his fastening. Not only upon his shoulders, but also upon his breast. Not only fastened by his love in his divine glory and human beauty, but also by his divine power. Shoulders signifying the power and breast signifying love. These two pieces stone upon the two shoulders bearing the twelve names of the twelve tribes become a memorial before God. Everybody knows a memorial is a joy. It's a joy. This means what? This means when Christ bears us upon his shoulders, his shoulders before God, this is a joy to God. Amen. When God looks at Christ, he looks right away at all his redeemed people. And all his redeemed people became transformed into onyx stones. Beautiful, precious items set in their golden plated sightings. You have to look at the picture. Uh, no word can explain. And this is a memorial before God. And this is eventually what? The additional beauty to Christ. Amen. The two pieces of onyx eventually become the additional beauty to Christ. We will become his additional beauty. This is for glory, and this is for beauty. Well, Francis, this final portion today presented really a lovely picture of the marvelous significance of the ephod. Verse 2 shows us that it was both glorious and beautiful, just like Christ. Glory being his divinity, and beauty signifying his humanity. How does our seeing of him in these two aspects affect our being held by him? When we see the beauty and the glory of this marvelous person who's both divine and human, the more we see that, the more secure we are, the more we realize that nothing can shake what the Lord has done. Nothing can shake our being held by him. We're not held by him like a little lamb is held by a shepherd, but we're held by him on his shoulder where there's a gold and where we are planted in God's very nature. The setting for us is a gold setting, and the onyx stone represents us as the transformed believers. And some measure of transformation has taken place, and this really gives us the assurance that we are added to Christ. Actually, it says for glory and for beauty. These two stones for glory and for beauty. This is Christ himself. The glory is his divinity, and the beauty is his humanity, and these two natures are blended and mingled into one. He is our security. 
He is our enjoyment, and the more we see him, just reading the Gospels, you see all the glory and the beauty of this wonderful person. He was full of beautiful humanity and glorious divinity in his speaking and his actions. So this has a lot to do with our being held by him, our assurance that we are held by him. Nothing can take us away from him because he would never leave us. Francis, we have about one minute left. I want to touch another point, if we can do it briefly. It's a marvelous point, so uh, I'll put you on the test here a little bit. And that is this matter that the onyx stones on the ephod actually added to or enhanced the beauty of the high priest. So the implication there is quite significant related to, and as the onyx stones represent God's redeemed people, that God's redeemed people, once they're attached, add to his beauty. That's quite a concept. That's marvelous. That really is marvelous to see uh, that this placing of the onyx stones as they were really add to the beauty of the garments of the high priest. And you could say even add to the high priest's beauty and glory. So uh, the church, that's the believers in Christ who are represented by the onyx stones, they are the real added beauty of Christ. Christ has been not only enlarged and expanded by so many believers coming to him, but he's also been beautified. So we add to the beauty of Christ and he becomes our beauty and we become his beauty. That is uh, another view, I think, of ourselves than we typically bring to our time with the Lord, but one that we all need to be renewed to lay hold of. Wonderful fellowship, Brother Francis. Very good. I enjoyed it, too. So did I. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening. Is there really any hope for this dark world? And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered into the synagogue and taught. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Man's fall into sin broke his fellowship with God, making all men ignorant of the knowledge of God. Such ignorance issued first in darkness and then in death. Jesus the Savior, as the light of the world, came as a great light to shine on the people who were sitting in the shadow of death. His teaching released the word of light to enlighten those in the darkness of death that they might receive the light of life. Scripture, Mark 121, 
and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.